This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And good evening, Hearts of Oak. Good to have you with us for a completely different discussion this evening, a little travelogue adventure. Uh, we'll get into that in our guest in one minute. Let me just make sure that we are live on everything. So if you're watching on Twitter, which seems to be okay these days, or if you're watching on Getter or DLive, Rumble, the website, CloudHub, I can't remember what else there is. Great to have you with us. Or if you're listening later on Podbean, if you listen on the go on any of the podcasting platforms, it's great to have you with us. I will give it a minute till my moderator team can let me know if they're saying it is all good. Let me see some of your comments on Getter first. Uh, let me bring... Where is Getter? We, before we begin in the... Number one's in. Yeah, make sure they're all part. Absolutely. Let me, come on, looking for comments on Getter. It'll kick in. We'll give it a moment. It's obviously having a slow day. But it is absolutely wonderful to have the one and only, the the one and only person to go to Afghanistan <laughs> off the road very well is Mr. Callum Dara. Callum, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a, a while since we met as well. We met at the comedy club the other day, but it's it's, it's good to see you doing well. Although there are actually a few other people who have gone now, which is a bit weird. I don't are know there? if you. Yeah, there's been a flurry of um, people turning up and making videos since me and Miles went oh. for the second time. So maybe, maybe we started a trend. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know if that's a trend I will be following, but Godspeed to all those people who choose to end up in Afghanistan through every fault of their own. Um, before we start, Callum, uh, obviously people know you from seeing you every day, day in, day out, on Lotus Eaters, co-hosting there. And I think I saw on, I was looking, somewhere I saw you've hosted 220 of them. I think that was um, IMDB have you on there, a little section. Don't have your pictures yet. I think the picture of you now would be perfect with your lovely headdress <laughs> and beautiful garments. But can I ask you to introduce yourself as deeply as you want to, or as much as you want? Yeah, so I, I'm Callum. Um, started off, I suppose, publicly being on com, doing commentary on Today in the West, and it was always terrible. And then we covered the fall of Kabul when it happened, and Miles Routledge, which people may know, he was there, became famous from it, and ever since has become sort of a, I don't know, um, dark tourist at large, as in he goes to the worst places possible. And Iris had an interest in dark tourism, and he was doing like a round of interviews, and he came to us and did our one. And apparently he said this to everyone as a joke. You know, haha, one day you should come to Afghanistan with me. We'll go back. And I was the only friggin' idiot who said yes. <laughs> it turned out, I only found out once that we were like three days in, in Kabul. I was like, oh, oh, oh dear. He was like, yeah, some other people said it didn't you know, work with the holidays and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, when well, I did that with Miles. Tell us what that, I mean, what was sitting down going through that process of actually ending up in, I think the, the, the most difficult place 
I've been, as we were talking before, was Mali, and you've got all this paperwork and applying for visas, but it's still a a not a, a half normal destination, as in their flights there. It's fairly easy to get to. What was the process like for you? actually putting everything together and making sure you could actually arrive there and enter? So the whole system, when the Americans, I'm going to use this terminology to see if you, I don't want to get into all the Afghan politics, but as you can say, when the Americans were there. So when the American system was involved, you there's an embassy in London, go down, say, I'd like to get a tourist visa, please. They look at you a bit funny and you hand them a wad of paperwork that you've done before, um, throw them 200 quid, Wait a few days, they send you the visa in the post, and then you literally just book a flight and go. Like, very simple process, nothing out of the ordinary, frankly. Um, and when you turn up in the Taliban airport, they make you fill out this big-ass form about why you're here, give us two references of people who say you're a good person. Yeah, yeah, because you had that in the beginning. Tell us about that immigration form, a Taliban immigration form. That's quite... Uh, <laughs> most people don't... That doesn't... They don't come across such a thing. So tell us about a Taliban immigration form. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing. I remember when I was there, I was reading this article from the local press. There was some guy... Uh, the article was called, you know, Mujahideen Finds Desk Job. And it was a... <laughs> It was an old Mujahideen who is now working the desk job for public health or who cares. And the interview was just them asking him, are you bored? And he just kept saying, so bored. Can't stand it. I wish I was fighting, but I've got to do it for the good of the people. And you look at that form and it's you know really long and full of crap. And you, you just go, no one's going to read this. This is a waste of time. So we filled it in incredibly accurately. Abdul's, and uh, then you give it to them. They take your fingerprints, retinas, and um, some guy who can barely speak English goes bugger off, and then you just you just walk out. There's a bunch of checkpoints leading up to it, but if you're walking out, there's no one checking you. So, so obviously, when when you land, whenever I was in the states a month ago, that you land and they say business or pleasure, and you say pleasure, and they say where are you going, your where are you staying. You give your hotel and they say, okay, enter. Do, what kind of, do they ask you any deep searching questions when you get there at immigration control? Nothing at all. In fact, we'll put our bags through the x-ray machine on the, the way out. You still have to do it. I noticed, I looked over, they got three guys watching this one x-ray machine. All three of them were on their phones. Just, just, <laughs> I, I, who, who's coming to Afghanistan? Who's going to be more dangerous to the country than the people already there? You know. So what's, what's the point? Who cares? <laughs> so... It's it's a libertarian paradise in that regard. The, the 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 state could not really give a crap as long as you don't blaspheme. So that's that's the deal. Did you stick out on your flight going over there? Um. Yeah. So we had to do. I think it was like forty-two hours from wow. London to Kabul. Um. So I know it was Birmingham to Kabul. Sorry. So actually, it wasn't that different in the end. Uh, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> you didn't leave home, Birmingham no, to Liverpool. <laughs> I'm not even really joking, like because Miles is from, um, I think he's from Birmingham, and we we went there, and there's people walking around dressed like this, and there's wudus and whatnot next to the toilets and signs in slash Pakistani and whatnot, and then we flew from there to Romania, boring, go to UAE, basically everyone's still wearing short dresses and whatnot. Get on the flight to Pakistan, hundred percent men which is a bit weird. All of them dressed like this. So I stood out like a sore thumb because Mars has already changed. And then we walk on and there's some guys from Birmingham like on our flight. And they looked at me and went, I recognize you. You're from YouTube, ain't you? 
<laughs> and I'm the cogs in my head are going if they tell the government I'm I'm yeah that's death penalty. No, no, mate, no, nah, just, just got a camera in it. We were on the flight. Don't worry about it. And they forgot about it. So we get to Pakistan. We're so tired. We end up sleeping on the floor there in Islamabad Airport. And I, I maybe some people are going to think I'm being unfair, but Pakistan, not a very clean place, in my opinion. There were cockroaches and ants and all kinds of bugs all over the floor. We, we went to the bathroom. Like I, I look at the toilet, put the seat down. Bugs start crawling out of it. Oh, oh that's good. Uh, Toilet paper, squash, 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 squash. Bang, bang, bang. Make sure they're all out. Squash, squash, squash. Get them all. <sighs> Finally, I sit down. Sit down on the toilet. Uh, look at the like door in front of me that I've closed. Bugs all over that. And I'm like, no, not today. Not today. <laughs> Go back to the waiting room. And there's there's nothing in the airport where we were. There's, there's no like lounge. They kept us downstairs until the flight came. So we just have to sleep on this concrete floor with little bugs crawling out. Anyway, and then we flew to Afghanistan, which is much cleaner. And um, even they thought Pakistan was rather bad, which I, I find really funny. <laughs> just like we met some Afghans at the airport, they were like, "Oh, Pakistan." Oh. <laughs> so, okay, so is your end assessment of being there that if only the Taliban ruled the Middle East, it would be a better place? <laughs> <laughs> Um, cleaner <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know about maybe, how can I answer this legally uh, so, <laughs> well so the, 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 the Taliban have taken over that place and they've got a few advantages that have seemingly from what I was told from people who were there before Westerners, uh, Miles' interactions I mean some of the guys we met in the camps had been working in that place for years they'd seen everything, all the scams, all the combat, a lot of it and they all came to the same conclusion, which is that the Taliban have solved crime, basically, which is that if you break the law, you ain't going to do it again. Um, they've cleaned up the place in terms of even terrorism. It was far safer when I was there. We had a bombing every day, except from one day when there was a mass shooting. But that was still safer than what it was like before. Like, the guys they were saying to us, like, there used to be three bombings a day. It was mental. It was now it was only one. It's not a problem. And it's like, you know, Paris, where some guy shouts Allahu Akbar and disappears. But you're not there. He's on another side of Paris. You don't really think about it. You see it on the news. And, you know, we're not unused to that in the West at this point. So that's fairly normal. And then the other big thing they've got going for them, which to give them props, I mean, this is what they've been able to do, even with the drawbacks that I'm sure everyone knows about. Um, Corruption. So yeah. the old government used to be 75% funded by us, the taxpayer. Oh, went well. Uh, so they were just really corrupt. I mean, even the president apparently left with a helicopter just full of crate of cash. He left a crate of cash for all his bodyguards who divvied up. There were two people there who were working to get our dogs back. So the Taliban had got a bunch of dogs. They're all microchipped, our ones. They were claiming they were all theirs. They'd take the yeah. chip. They're lying. Okay. So what do you do if you're there trying to get our dogs back, right? Well, you offer a bribe. So we'll give you $1,000 per dog, whatever. Then we're done. Well, job's out. We can get out of here. They were complaining to me one night that the Taliban weren't corrupt. As wow. in, like, the, the way things used to work, we could get stuff done. Whereas now, they want us to fill out paperwork and crap that we never had to do before. So, you know, that's that's the three things which they, they have cleaned up uh, from what I heard. 
And I don't know. I mean, maybe if your country is in such a state, maybe maybe the Taliban is a good option, but I'm not, not sure I'd recommend it to <laughs> everyone in the Middle East. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on. You, I think I answered you, that diplomatically. <laughs> <laughs> this is Trivago. This is where you stayed. I did, as the viewers can see, I did try and put in dates for Christmas, but it wasn't giving any availability at the moment. Uh, I thought originally when you said Daria, I thought you'd actually find a hotel which was named after you. Uh, but it was uh, Daria, not <laughs> Daria. Yeah. D- tell us about uh, obviously in in the uh, in in the the full video, which is in the description for anyone watching, and is on Britannic Politica on the YouTube channel, and that's why that's under Callum's name. Uh, tell us about what the hotel was like because you were fairly complimentary. Yeah, well, I mean, I had no idea what to expect. Um... And frankly, for the money, I, some people took the mix, saying I should have asked for a lower price. But <laughs> you, you, so it's it's a big complex right next to another one that's called the Baron, and that one's a bit richer. I was told. There's a few other ones. I saw Bolden bankrupt went recently. He seemed to play stay in a really nice place. I don't know if it was the, in, the Continental, is where all the journalists go. But this place, in my opinion, far better. Not only do you get and security guards on the door. We interacted with them quite a lot. They were lovely. And so you've got that level of security. You've got the guys who are there who um, have the right to hold guns. So they're about. You've got panic rooms. You've got nice high walls that they'd have to blow up to try and get in. ISIS, not the Taliban, because funnily enough, they're the good guys now. Because we had Taliban on the roof protecting us from ISIS, which I, wow. I know to a lot... There was a lot of servicemen commenting, just being like, I can't imagine this ever being said where you're walking down the street and you go, oh, God, who are those guys with guns? Oh, thank God, it's the Taliban. It's <laughs> but that, that's life there now. And um, you, you, one night we actually were walking back from a chicken shop and with pitch black. And I'm still scared all the time because I'm not like Miles. And this car turns around. You see it's got like a machine gun on the back and it's the pickup truck and i'm genuinely thinking oh gosh i've got this fear i'm like it's this is over this i die whatever bugger it i knew the risk and then we saw the taliban flags and we just went oh god oh, thank, <laughs> thank christ <laughs> but yeah so you've got you have a security which is great uh free laundry in case you're going and you need this sort of detail um massive gym that's great um uh, you get uh, i think it's breakfast lunch and dinner included to a western standard it's flown in all frozen and then cooked for you uh, chefs there did a great job of making fresh bread every day. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's not a bad thing about it, except perhaps maybe the power goes out every so often, but it goes back on because they've got generators. So, I mean, if you're living in a place like that and you're moaning about, like, oh, the power sometimes goes out, most Afghans, it's off for half the day. So, it's fantastic. In fact, the, the airline who run from Afghanistan, they're very badly rated for safety. But they were in negotiations to stay there because it's good value for money. Anyway, enough shilling for Dari Village, I suppose. <laughs> okay, I, I, look, I was wondering here, it, it does advise, just to give uh, the, the government advice, it is currently recommended to avoid all travel to Afghanistan due to civil unrest, armed conflict, armed conflict and serious safety risks. Obviously, such travel notices, I mean, didn't affect you at all. Well, no, I had... Um... God on my side, obviously. Uh, <laughs> well, I had, I, you know, I had 
miles with me, and so I thought, bugger it, what's worse that can happen? And the the weird thing is those travel advice things, and I'm not going against it, if not for any other than legal reasons. If you're the foreign office, you have no one in country, your embassy is being occupied by a man and his goats, you've got no eyes and ears, you don't know what's going on. They issue that travel advice, which is, yeah. don't go, we have no idea. If you die, not our problem. And that's perfectly fair. But when I was speaking to the, the Westerners who had operated there for ages and whatnot, I mean, they were saying to us, yeah, there's there's a risk of kidnap. Um, some of the UN guys, I mean, one of them had been stabbed a couple of days before he arrived. There were two Americans who turned up to make videos about it. They went down to the south in Afghanistan and were never heard from again just before we arrived. So, I mean, there's you know horror stories and it's, you know, what are you expecting? Uh, but they they all came to the agreement, which is that, frankly, there didn't actually seem to be any unrest or anything. Uh, one guy there was of the opinion that, well, I, he just genuinely thought that the British government doesn't know. I mean, nobody seems to know. I mean, the the only suspicions is there was like some Russian embassy staff operating there and a couple of American spies, and that that's about it. So it, it's, it is what it is, uh, which is that I don't think they actually know what's going on there, which, why would you? Why would you I even guess, care at this point? <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess it's safer because there isn't an, the enemy was the Americans or the Brits or the, the those in the West. So if they have now gone, then I guess there isn't that tension for for better or for worse. I mean, the 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 Afghans have got foreigners out of the country. They've regained their country, if you look at it that way. And then there's no one to fight against. So in theory, that would make it a, a much more peaceful country. Yeah, and in practice, it seems to be. I mean, they're having this war with ISIS still, which I, I don't know how the Foreign Office feel about that because that technically makes them our allies because we're at war with ISIS <laughs> as well, which, which must be a bit weird. But I don't know if they work together. But yeah, I, it's it's for, for places you think of as conflict zones, that place seems to be doing better than others. And well, it's... You do feel unsafe. There is constant, like, I don't know if I want to go out. But even Miles was able to do some things like everyone in the cab thought would get him killed. And he was fine. Like, he went off to Jalalabad, which is in between Kabul and Pakistan. And he just went to a gun market, uh, paid a Taliban guy like 20 bucks so he could shoot his gun and film it. Uh, he's, I won't spoil it, but he's got some other negotiations going on there about what to do next time. And then he even went down for another adventure for his uh, to the south. He went near Kandahar, which... Uh, so we used to be in Kandahar, the British. So they hate us for that. But there's also a saying, even amongst the Afghans, I was told, when a pigeon flies over Kandahar, it uses its wings to cover its rear. Okay. <laughs> so Miles had been called pretty a number of times, and he went down there. And the, the hotel manager, the, the, he was gone for a full day. He went out like 6 a.m., came back at midnight. And the hotel manager kept messaging me on WhatsApp. She'd be like, hey, you heard anything from Miles lately? And I was like, no. Yeah, just keep me posted. Just keep me posted. And he kept doing that. And about 10 o'clock, he went, don't keep me posted. <laughs> okay. He was fine. He was fine. But yeah. So it, it, it does seem to be that maybe he got lucky. And, and like I say, there are horror stories, but... The breadth of the country does seem to be much safer, and 
that's just from what I saw, and that's all I can say on that. Well, I want to ask you about some of your experiences, but first, can I ask you about Afghan merch? Tell us yes, about indeed. some of the stuff because you've shown it off in different places. Obviously, eBay didn't like that, but tell us about what you came across and how you've dispersed of it. Yeah, so here's one of the things about you said about the Afghans taking their country back, right? And if you ask the Taliban, that's what they'll give you. What I found is that there does seem to be there does seem to have been a resentment about being ruled by foreigners as yeah. they saw it. And but there were some benefits to that. A lot of people were very happy with the, the school system. There's a university there. Was. I don't know if it's still operating. Um a lot of people are annoyed about the way women are treated and whatnot. But frankly, when it comes down to it, most people, and I mean maybe like even ninety-five percent, maybe ninety-nine percent, couldn't give a toss. For your average Afghan, the average age is under 18. Just keep that in mind for a minute. And since, what, 1980-something, that country has been at war? Yeah. War with the Soviets, the Mujahideen takeover, immediate civil war amongst the Mujahideen. Then the Taliban movement gets set up, and you go into the war with the Northern Alliance. And then we and the Americans turn up, and then war for 20 years. The moment of that catastrophe for the Americans where the pullout and all that that's the first moment of peace an afghan has had in their lifetime i mean almost nobody is alive to remember what it was like before Mm. so when it comes to new guys are in charge get rid of the old flags put the new flags up it's as simple as that no one really seemed to give that much for a toss it was just new boss new flag he speaks funny the old one spoke funny and so when we were walking around, we were able to get lots and lots of Taliban stuff. I've got a flag behind me there. There we are. But I also brought patches that the military guys wear. These are authentic. And some of the old patches and all kinds of other stuff. I even managed to get a burqa, which... You ever wore a burqa, Peter? I have never worn a burqa, <laughs> No. <laughs> it's surprisingly hard to actually purchase in the UK. I didn't know that. So, yeah, I brought one back, and everyone I've had in my apartment, I've gone, you've got to try this on. Yeah, all the men and women. It's horrible. It's, could, you, it's actually, could, you not, could you not get one in Birmingham Airport? No? I thought that would be the main place to get one. I think they mostly sell niqabs, so they're, oh, they're far okay. more Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, liberal. Yeah. Than, yeah. But it, it sits on your head. Like, it doesn't properly fit. Like the you know the mask bit the mesh yeah, like if, yeah. if you wear it it'll sit there and then you've got to move the mesh down and on your head so it just sort of sits over and then constantly readjust it and it's it's a mess to try and wear um so did, I've got all that stuff I sold a whole bunch of it to pay for the trip which which worked out so thank you to everyone who brought stuff I've still got stuff available if people want it but it how do people jo- get it oh you go check out my Twitter thing um, I've got a list there of Serbian things as well but if you go to the bottom there's the Afghan stuff. I had to take payments through Subscribestar because eBay banned me. But one of the best things, it, it's, I love it all. And I realized as I would, I'd put stuff up and I'd sell it. And then the stuff I didn't sell, I didn't even care. Because I was just like, these are relics. I love it. I'm, I'm never going to go get these again, am I? And one of the funniest things, as I was showing you earlier, you can just bring bayonets back. What? I didn't, I didn't think of that. <laughs> So they're it, under embargo. You can't take anything military out of the country. Like there's a big long list. You can't bring um, <clears throat> guns, bullets, body armor, 
Uh, spacecraft are on that list, in case... You can't you find spacecraft? That's so yeah. offensive. In, in case you find this Afghan spacecraft program and think, I'll have that. You can't, <laughs> sorry. But you get to the guns, and then just it, it just says underneath, bayonets are exempt. And I was like, well, okay then. So I found this. It's a 1913 bayonet, Lee Enfield. Wow. So it must have been used in the First World War or something, and then sent over to the Indian Raj, and then ended up in Kabul somehow. And a few others as well. I've just sat on some of this stuff, and I think... I'm not selling that, by the way. Love that one too much. Um, so, Someone asked, why didn't you go for two weeks in Spain? And I'm just looking at them like... <clears throat> you really don't get the same gifts take home. <laughs> You're, the, the shopping opportunities are just better. That's That's all. <laughs> Did so you brought that home in your suitcase? Was that on carry-on luggage, or did you have to check it in? It's in the suitcase that you put under the plane. Um, oh, the, you check the, it in. Oh. Yeah. So when we went back into the airport, go through the scanner. Yeah. On the way out, they actually care because they don't want you hijacking the plane. So these Taliban guys, it goes beep beep beep. They're, they're pointing and what's this? Okay, guy pulls it out, jibber jabbers. Oh yeah, open up. Pulls out the swords. He goes, what the hell have you got these for? I'm like, <laughs> I wanted them. Why else? <laughs> and he says, oh, I've got to get my boss. I don't know. And um, this older man comes over who's this um, you know, old guy, Taliban. And he pulls out this one and then looks at it. He goes, ah, I remember. And he looks at me and shows me. Right, you take this, you take this, put it here. Oops, sorry, that way. Use it to cut the barbed wire. Takes it back off, puts it there, hands it to me, and then says, get on the plane. <laughs> so they weren't worried. They just wanted to make sure I had the proper knowledge. <laughs> that's good. That, that's really helpful. You don't get that in the UK, that customer service. No, it's it, best customer service you could ask for. I don't think you could pay for that. Yeah. And you had a you had a, a Kabul Kitty t-shirt. Yeah, I got a few of them as well. Um, they sold out, in fact. So I've, I've called up a guy over there who's coming back and said, can you buy us 50? So I'm going to put those back on sale. I might send one to you, Peter, for the team if you want. That would be want? wonderful. <laughs> that would be lovely. How, how did you actually go shopping? What was it? I guess there isn't a department store. There's one. Okay. Um, the Americans seem to have built it. There's some really like precarious escalators and stairs that I don't think are going to last. So that might be a live leak video wait happening. But you, you've got that, but that's boring. There's just Western goods in there. It's, they're trying to be Westerners, which is just, yeah, yeah. who cares? There's two markets that are worthwhile. There's one in like the Shia, Shia area of town. And they sell everything you could want, like the any small stuff, anything Taliban related or whatever, trinkets. And then there's the black market, which yeah. has everything else. Um, that one's the scary one though, where you don't speak English because you go you didn't in there. Stay long. No, um, we, we really did not. Even Miles was like, "Shut up! Don't don't speak English," <laughs> because not only do they charge you more, but in the black market you've got everyone, and you've got ISIS members, Taliban members, whoever the hell else, and they're getting their guns done, new guns, anything you could think of. It's it's all there. Anything Biden left behind is all there, along with t-shirts and crap. So you, you buy whatever you want there, and then you, you leave quickly before they start talking. In fact, we went in one store, 
And there's this Taliban guy with his AK sat over his lap. Just looks bored. And I point at these bayonets going, oh, can we get these? <laughs> like trying to signal to our translator. And the translator's just like, Fuck, come on. Pulls me out. He says, we're not buying weapons in front of the Taliban. <laughs> They're going to start asking questions. <laughs> but Yeah, it's, it's like a, a Christmas market, but, you know, more sandy and, and full of guns. But ah. it's, it's not that different. Interesting way. Um, our, I see some of the moderator team are saying, yes, we would love Kabul Kitty t-shirts. Maybe they would like to accompany you on the next trip. Uh, th- that's a possibility. So maybe is there a, are you, go- you could start a whole industry. You could bring foreigners who want to go to Afghanistan and you can show them around. Well, Miles sort of is. Uh, so I was his first customer for that, but he's, he set up his own company. He's doing the traveling stuff and the videos. But I think if anyone does want to go with him to the next time he goes, he wouldn't say no. Uh, I, I, I don't know what he'd charge for an actual like service instead of just pottering about. But I, sh- I should message him for that if anyone in the chat feels like it. But again, my, not my advice is to stay home because I believe in the foreign office. One other yeah. thing to me. Yeah, Sorry. go for it. Oh, just one other thing to mention, which I forgot earlier. The um, I mentioned that some of the Westerners have guns in the hotel as well. Miles really wants to get this. The manager has a card. It's like a, 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 a license for your gun because they have to have it licensed. Terrible bureaucracy. But the thing is, their licenses are not like ours. You've got a picture of his face from like a photo me booth and then it's all gibberish. And we say, what does it say? If you had it translated, he says, um, yeah, it's pretty funny actually. It says, um, Mr. Smith here, is an honourable member of the Mujahideen, and therefore, brothers, shall be allowed to carry his weapons wherever he goes. God bless him. <laughs> so this this dude who, who had, um, you know, he he'd done things, and um, he's now Mujahideen officially. Which I who doesn't want one wow. of those to take home? He he said he's never selling that. That's that's getting framed on his wall back home. <laughs> so, uh, if any if there if anyone wants to stick any questions in then then do put them in the chat if you're watching on getter i can see them all on my side so if you do have any specific burning questions that you'd like to ask the first person you've ever met who's been to afghanistan and come back then do stick it uh, in the modern chat modern day afghanistan modern day afghanistan yeah. uh, it's cute because obviously you mentioned before about people just going to Spain for two weeks. Most people want to, I guess, chill out and relax. Most people don't think about going to, I think the term probably shithole is the term which is used for a bunch of countries and Afghanistan probably for better or worse, uh, right or wrong, fits into that category. So yeah, tell us why. What goes on in your head to think, actually, I want to go to maybe one of the most dangerous countries in the world? Honestly, at the time, I was just kind of bored. <laughs> I hope you don't get bored too often. Does, well, does know, Paul not give you enough work to do? Well, you know, you're, you're doing your job and you're not really... You might go to the occasional like, somewhere in Europe and you see a bit of the world and it's fun and all. Yeah. But I always, I always wanted to do something dark tourism and Chernobyl or something like that, right? And then I met Miles, and he's he's a great guy. I've got along with him. And then he offered me the chance. I thought, well, I'm not getting this opportunity again, am I? Like, how often did you get offered that? So 
I couldn't really turn it down. I had to go with them, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I could have gone wrong, but all turned out all right. And uh, really enjoyed the traveling. Frankly, it's it. it I, I don't know if it's um nostalgia or something, but honestly, I do actually kind of miss it as well in a weird way. Even though that, yes, you're right. The presidential term, I think, does accurately apply. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's that's not my opinion. That was the locals' opinion of we, that we met. They were all in pretty much agreement about that. Although it wasn't Pakistan. That was the important thing. <laughs> but you did that as well. You ticked that off. Yeah, never going back there. Well, I'm not even joking. I'm not even taking the piss. Like, Unironically, we would speak to Afghans. They, they would just chat S about Pakistan. Just how terrible it is and how, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm not them. Those people. <laughs> it's just like, really? It's, it's, you wouldn't think it, but yeah, everyone's got their neighbors. What? I mean, you went, again, if you go to a country that's off the beaten track, it's always good to go with someone who you know, you trust, uh, maybe a good friend. You You kind of went with a stranger, in effect, someone who you've kind of met a little bit was what, what was that like? Did you have some hairy moments when you thought, Hmm, this could go wrong or uh, I don't know if I trust these people I'm meeting. Yeah. I mean, that happened a few times actually. I, with miles, it was more, I had someone advising me about how not to get kidnapped because he specialized in that. And <laughs> sort, sort of classes you have to take before you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm following all these rules and I've told Miles all these rules. They're not hard rules, but it's just advice, things to do to ensure. And, um, you know, not be loud. Don't wear anything flashy, different clothes every day, different cars. Don't uh, speak English out loud if you can help it. Uh, Miles is just chill at this point. He's been there a couple of times under Taliban rule. And once or twice, he would just like, we're walking past some Taliban guys. He would just stop and be like, oh, hey, friends, can we take a picture? <laughs> it's like, do we really want to just... <laughs> but I mean, to their credit, every fighter we met was reasonable. None of them were that weird. Um, the young ones, because again, they're all Zoomers. They've all got phones and are looking at the world. They're all very Islamic, but they just think it's funny. Like they got the humor of the whole thing and they enjoyed that. Um, some of the older guys, we weren't so pleased to see uh, at one point we got pulled over by a checkpoint got yeah. out there was this canadian taliban i told the story in the video he was he was really interesting to meet but we just couldn't take pictures sadly but there's these old guys who come over because they're like well, white boys they get up and they start muttering away and our translator's just going come on let's go <laughs> oh canadian guy we want to talk to him he's like no no no, no. <laughs> get back in the cab Get around the corner and he just goes they, they were talking about how beautiful you both were oh. like, uh, <laughs> could have gone down differently yeah a lot of guys well a lot of afghans actually don't know how so many have internet access but they all commented on the video saying bro it's not gay they were just saying you're beautiful i don't know why in the west they, they were like maybe they're right with these guys they were they were saying it's ridiculous in the west a man can't just say another man is beautiful that's how perverted your society is and i'm like yeah maybe but then we met some guys in Kandahar, uh, sorry, in the zoo who were from Kandahar. And, and they were just too friendly. And given what I said about Kandahar earlier, that, that experience wasn't fun. Didn't like that. So there we are. Sexually harassed 
<laughs> yeah, it could be a whole different video you done then if if that had happened. I'm just I'm just noticing my I've got I've got an Israel flag up. That wasn't intent. It was because we had Brandon London on from Israel on Saturday. <laughs> it wasn't to discuss the clash between Israel and the Islamic world. That's a whole other conversation. So, I, uh, obviously, it um, interesting addition to our, our conversation. Uh, you, did you? I got. I got yeah. ask, you know what's really funny? They think everything is to do with Israel because, of course, they do. So, Miles, he told me the story when he went back b- before I came, where he's going through the checkpoint. And uh, you remember the suicide bombing that hit the airport? A lot of people died. Yeah, yeah. And the the security guard is like, oh, oh, did you hear about this, bro? It's unsafe. Things happen. Be careful, my friend. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry that Israel did this. And the, the guy's like, yeah. And it, like, he does it as a joke. And the, the border agent just goes, yeah, it's ridiculous. Goddamn hate those guys. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, they, you, you follow some Taliban accounts on Twitter, you'll find they, they think ISIS are just Israel. With masks on, which um, yeah, I'll let people have that discussion in the chat. I'm sure that'll be civil. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What, what, what was it? Because you mentioned that the, the that checkpoint with the the Canadian suddenly jumps out after you say you speak English and start talking to them in English. Uh, were, were were there many checkpoints? Obviously, the security situation is quite different because there isn't that enemy. Uh, but were there a number of checkpoints that uh, you were stopped at driving around, or what was it like? So roughly, I'd say there's a checkpoint every 500 meters, no matter where you're going in wow. the capital. Wow. And that's great, honestly. The, the, the feeling of security you get from having armed guys everywhere, I never appreciate it. Because you think to yourself, they're not going to do anything stupid because they're getting paid. Yeah. And if ISIS turns up and starts shooting people around the next street, I might not even, not even have to run. Like, there's like 10 guys around me with guns. Like, if there's some guy, one guy with a gun, like uh, he's going to lose, for sure. You drive through them, nine times out of ten, they're not interested. They don't care. They're just like, oh, bugger off. Just whatever. And that's because there's just so much traffic as well. Unless there's something suspicious, why bother stopping you? But occasionally they'll see that you're white and not wearing the right clothes, and then they'll pull you out and you have to show your passport. But it's fine. Um, it doesn't seem unreasonable given the circumstances and uh, it does make you feel safer that there actually are making an effort. So that's, that's that. I don't know what it was like in Mali with your security <laughs> concerns, but I, I'm telling you, man, having, having armed soldiers every 500 meters is, is it's a peaceful feeling. I actually am kind of annoyed back in England that we don't have soldiers on the streets, even in just like London, let's say, because you go, you go to somewhere where you know is crime ridden, like somewhere in Birmingham. And I do think to myself, God, there should be armed soldiers every 500 meters just to keep the peace. I mean, maybe you have some different experience in Northern Ireland. but Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We had at Northern yeah. Ireland checkpoints and soldiers everywhere. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, maybe it just, it, they worked better with the community than in Northern Ireland, but it just, it, it just works. It, it does just work if you do it right. Seems so. <laughs> t- tell us about your putting the, the, the trip together, the plan of what to do, because you've got a, a blank sheet of paper and you're thinking, I'm going somewhere different, not sure what to do. Uh, was it Miles who basically said, don't worry, uh, I'll take you something each day? Or were you discussing with him and saying, actually, I'd like to see the cultural sites of whatever? Um, when we landed, we had no plan. We didn't even have a hotel. We didn't know if the hotel <laughs> was going to be open. Hotel. No. We, 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 we
wouldn't get a taxi because they were going to rip us off. So we just walk out of this airport, walk past loads of people. Um, some of them start trying to harass you for money. And then we get to the hotel. And you, you don't even notice it's a hotel at first because it's just like a side door because of security. And it just, I, I honestly thought, like, is, is Miles leading us into a kidnap? What is this? <laughs> I, you just barter for a room. That's a funny point about getting the room, actually, because the guy at the door was Afghan. The manager, who's a UK national, was back home. And so he calls up his boss and says, I, I don't know what to charge him. I've got two British tourists here. <laughs> and the guy's on the phone like, no, you don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he gave us the cheapest price, just thinking we were Afghans and there was a translation error. I was like, good job. But just day by day, wake up. What do you want to do today? Might do this, might do that. Let's do that. That'll be fun. And then just get out. It's also probably best because if you have a list of plans and someone gets hold of that and the wrong person gets hold of that, then you get kidnapped. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's for the best that we just did whatever. And you kept telling us how great the food was. Yeah. Uh, I, I did actually try some Afghan food as well in local Afghan shops. I didn't put it in the video because I just... I didn't really think it was that important. But I know this is such like a cliche, like white guy goes to brown country and thinks the food is amazing, but it is true. Like their kebabs just tasted way better. Their rice was way better. But the hygiene was way worse. Mm. That's, that's, that's the trade-off, it seems. But the, the food in the hotel was great. Maybe it's just because I was hungry all the time. But yeah, it's maybe it'll degrade in the next few years and the whole place will go to pot. I'm hoping it doesn't. One of the things that the manager had some great ideas for how to make money there, actually, and it's not just digging up coal and gold. They've got the most beautiful mountain ranges, most beautiful um, like rivers and lakes for oh. like water rafting or mountain climbing. Like adventurous rich people who will spend ten grand on a holiday to somewhere like that. Yeah, and he was he was actually like pitching me this business idea over dinner once. He was like, "This is where you set up the hotels. You hire Afghans. They don't cost anything." do basic stuff, you get these rich people in, you separate them from the locals, so then if there is anything blasphemous, the Taliban don't feel too aggrieved that they have to do something drastic, and instead you just get deployed. It would work, you know, if they can get the customers and keep the security, but I I, I don't know where the Taliban's head is at, so I guess they keep looking to see if it pops up in your local tourist board. £10,000, have fun. <laughs> Well, you're. I guess every country, yeah, every country relies on tourism uh, to different extents. Some countries, it's their their main industry. Um, Afghanistan has never been really on that. I mean, you've got countries in the Middle East that uh, property or their tax regime, or they've got different industries which pushes it. Afghan doesn't seem to. I mean, it's really a place where it's been. What the Brits? I think I read, I read texts of back in what late nineteen, uh, late eighteen hundreds was it? Uh, the Brits been there. I mean, it's time and time history repeats itself time and time again. Um, and what you're describing may be actually a period of I don't know it's peace, but certainly calm in the country, um, and that stability I guess gives a country the chance to stand up and actually decide what it's there for, what it wants to do in the world. Well, that's, that's 100% true. I mean, it's been 40 years, and the average age is 18. Yeah. 
the concept of peace, I think, is even difficult for some people to truly understand there. And now they've got it. I mean, it is the Taliban's decision about what to do with the country. There's no resistance. Like people in the West, some of them have these delusions about, uh, you know, the old government rising back up from disillusioned units or something. It's nothing. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe this will be clipped in five years and the whole country will be overthrown, but I don't see it. And yeah, I mean, the world is technically the royster. I mean, they could become a tax haven. Why not? Yep. Who cares? I mean, that's the thing as well. There's no democratic system of government. They don't believe in that. They believe in a theocracy and they've got their supreme leader and their supreme council. And in which case, you know, if I was them, I'd, I'd be going to town. I mean, just the the business opportunities alone, like you say, through tax or even, you know, potentially tourism. They, they have already started just digging up loads of coal and everything that was mapped by the Americans and started shipping out to Pakistan to make money. So if you, if you work in that industry, um, you, you really should get on and go there. I know the Chinese are already buying up what they can. So there's that. But Yeah, you said I, you saw the Chinese signs when you were there. Yeah, um, John translated that for me, actually. It's advertising Chinatown. They even have a Chinatown there. Everyone has a Chinatown. And we never managed to go, which is annoying. I should go back and see that. But wow. yeah, the, the, the CCP wants in. They want it all. And the way they'll do it is they'll bring in CCP soldiers and then Chinese workers to do all the work, pay the Afghans a pittance and bugger off. But the Taliban gets their cut. And one of the things I was told is apparently the Taliban are aware of that and don't like the Chinese for that reason. Like, they're not all barbarians. One of the things you'll find out about Al-Qaeda, and I'm sure you know, a lot of them are doctors. A lot of them are mm. um, engineers, uh, etc. And it's the same in the higher-ups of the Taliban movement, it seems. They're all well aware of the geopolitics. They're ones who are trying to solve this. And they know if they get the Chinese in, they'll just exploit them. Their other options aren't great. One of the options is getting the American companies back in, but politically a bit unpopular with the lads. So there's that. So they're also looking at the Russians. I know there's been a lot of interest from the Russians since yeah. their uh, kerfuffle. Because <laughs> kerfuffle. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's the you know, Joe Biden and his guys like to downplay the cock up there was so much equipment left and a lot yep. of it was was crap you know just yep. medical kits and stuff not interesting a lot of the helicopters were busted but th there's enough stuff there that they are actually able to sell it for money like the they're sending stuff to russia they're sending stuff to iran and they're sending stuff to china and one of the things is drones and why the hell did you leave advanced drones behind but why did you leave anything behind there, I mean, I've read about the the rare earth materials that are rare earth minerals that are there, and that it, well, sitting on a gold mine, it literally is, uh, and actually that wealth could really power the country if it's if it's used wisely. Um, and it sounds like their system of government could be much better than our democratic system, which seems to have screwed us over in the last thirteen years. Oh yeah, so democratic. I, I'm I'm drowning in democracy over here, Peter. Yeah. I, I love voting for Rishi Sunak. I've done it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so they, but got no, a, yeah, a but the, yeah, the, those minerals, that, that wealth they're sitting on. The, yeah, so the, the estimates from the Americans. So just before the Americans pulled out, this is kind of a tragedy for American billionaires. 
I'm sure they go over it. They, they, they mapped everything that was under their control and they did identify about a trillion dollars worth of stuff still in the ground. And it's not even hard to get like basic excavation equipment and you've got gold or wow. that you can export and it, simple stuff. And in, I think it was like the year before the finance and everything was finally in place. These major companies were going to come in, they hired the security and they were going to start operations. And then COVID happened. So then the whole thing got put on hold and then they lost the country. So all the plans were just sitting there in Kabul. So as the Taliban turned up with their ice creams and, you know, jumping on the trampolines and whatnot, they, they walked into the presidential palace or wherever it was and just found all the plans. And now they're just handing out licenses based on those plans. And it's all accurate because the Yanks left it for them. Yeah. That's a funny thing, actually. They've, they've got a um, Ministry of Renewable Energy in the capital. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's just... Uh, gotta make sure you build the solar panels right guys <laughs> wow wow I was actually the thing which surprised me most Callum is that you went uh, you've now got a a lovely looking beard but actually facial hair seemed to be lacking when you went and I thought it would have been the other way around to blend in yeah well, I used to I don't actually shave I use like some scissors that you'd use for a kitchen as a shaver anyway so I usually cut a lot tighter, but since I went there and got back, frankly, I kind of enjoy it. And that's something that's going to weird you out. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I I didn't know whether or not to even say this publicly. <laughs> What's coming? <laughs> so when you're immersed in that culture, uh, one of the things and the customs there, another reason why I didn't have women in the film is because I was just told, don't talk to women. And it's not because we hate women or something like that. If you go talk to women, I was told, you've got to have a good reason. Like, she's not your sister. Are you, are you trying to marry her? No. Then why are you talking to her? She's my sister. Why are you talking to her? Like, I don't want to get in that situation. So, wasn't used to seeing women. And then the women we did see were very covered up. And I've been wearing stuff like this. So I get back on the plane. We leave Kabul. We get to the UAE. And I'm in line for the flight back to the UK. And I see some, I see a woman in front of me, <laughs> a Western woman. <laughs> Thing is, she's not even like <clears throat> nightclub outfit. She's wearing a perfectly respectable um, housewife dress, right? Goes out a little bit at the ends, like a skirt to maybe just above her knee. And she's showing a little bit of cleavage. And I, I, I honestly, I'm stood there half sleep deprived in my Afghan gear store. I look up and down and go, why is this horse stood here? <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind went. And then the, my second thought is like, why is she dressed like that? Is she trying to make, like, does she want to have sex with people? What's going on? And then, and then my mind clicked again, got back to being, you know, a civilized person and went, yeah. oh, oh God. <laughs> and then I went, oh no, I'm the retard. But that experience, and I was only there for two weeks. And I'm thinking, we're bringing a lot of these guys over for refugees or yeah. because they can just break in. Yeah. I'm not surprised, frankly, after thinking about that, that they treat women Islamically in our country. Either there is many a situation like that within schools or uh, even in the border force, etc. stories you can hear. 
Uh, not to mention, we even get to the, the dark depths of obviously things like Rotherham or, or what mm. happened in um, Canterbury with yep. the. But you know, just on just on the level of these people are really, really different, and understanding that difference, I didn't quite understand how bad it is until I'd immersed myself in their culture for a little bit, come back and just saw a woman in a perfectly respectable dress, and even my mind went whore. <laughs> it's like, yep. That's that's. That and, and imagine if you're brought up like that and you get to your twenties, like you are not going to undo that programming. And they're walking into women in this country that who are wearing leggings, and that that's it for the bottom down. And you can obviously see every part of the shape. And we really messed up, man. Like the West really messed up, thinking you could just bring anyone from the world into the West and it would all be fine. Nah, but but yeah, it it shows. But it shows the uh, one end is women are cut off from society and mm. it's a male-dominated culture without any interaction or connection with women. The other thing is, the other side is, well, we turn our children into porn stars, basically. Uh, th- th- that's where, we're, with the latest adverse, and we sexualize our children. Uh, so there are two ends, and I'm kind of looking at both thinking, there has to be, how can we get back to a common sense middle way of treating each other respectfully? And then especially when you bring children into it, uh, what we're done in the West. And we think our way is the the best way, or the democratic, the cultural way, the uh, the grown-up way, the mature way, and they're backward while we're doing it on this side. So it's uh Yeah, yeah we've got to, it's yeah. We've got to become the sensible centrists, Peter. Need to sensible centrist, sensible you, You've got the you got the far left way of you know drag queen story hour, and you've got the far right way of you need to wear the burqa. Yeah, and, and the, the sensible centrist position I think is correct, which is, um, I think most mums in this country would agree. So when you see your, your daughter wearing something a bit too much, you no change. You're not wearing that, and it, it's 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 not to mean that women shouldn't be able to, uh, you know dress nice but it's it's got to be classy not not whorish and i think that is actually true and we never have that conversation in the west like before before we even get into the far left stuff obviously that our country is in there but even the concept of a man or a woman saying you can't wear that or you need to cover up or you're showing too much skin that's i i I don't know about you but i feel like that's not really allowed in our culture anymore i don't know if it used to be because i'm just too young i have no idea (laughs) But hey, look, there's 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 an extreme way to do it on both sides, and um, I, I think the proper way is that housewife dress. At least that that it, it's far easier to try and make them interact with that than the leggings. <laughs> just, just my guess. <laughs> Callum, dress like a housewife and not whorish. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I learned from Afghanistan. <laughs> Here, what is? Were there any like specific? takeaways um that you brought away a completely different culture you saw different things you probably saw things you weren't expecting vice versa and we hear a lot of negative stuff and maybe you saw some of the more positive interactions but when you kind of came back what were the things that stuck in your mind that you'd glad you went so that you experienced or saw yeah i mean that was one of them uh the second one was it really is true that the british Empire did nothing wrong. Um, and so we invaded Afghanistan a few times. I think the first time we got absolutely butchered. Second time yeah. we won, we yeah. left. 
But they have a British cemetery there. And I showed it off. I didn't show the full thing. They've got... Uh, we, the, we, the British government, pay for it. There's um, British citizens throughout the empire's history who are buried there, like civil servants and whatnot, who just... They wanted to be buried there, so we organized it. There's a huge plaque of everyone who died in this newest conflict. There's gravestones and ancient stuff from the old Anglo-Afghan wars sitting there for those who died during that. It's all walled off so the locals can't see it because it's just respectful. It's full of crosses, which obviously not Islamic. And you see the the Kiwis, South Africans, Canadians, and, and stuff like that. And there's nothing American. And I, I, I don't know if the Americans even have anything there. And if they did, I'm pretty sure the Taliban would blow it up for sure. But the the British, we can just operate in these places, it seems. And the, there really is not the hatred that um, left-wingers in this country would make you try and believe, which is that we were evil monsters who ate babies and all the locals still hate us to this day for it. It's bollocks. Just the whole thing's bollocks. So that's that's definitely one of the others. Okay. Uh, also driving. So there are no rules. You, you were driving, weren't you? One of the days you were driving. Oh, no, no, no. Bugger that. I thought you were um, driving one of the videos at no, the no. beginning. No. I think I was sitting there. It, it's just because the, the steering wheel is the other way around, isn't it? Could be. Could I'm be. Yeah, probably could been be. sat in the passenger seat. But the there's no traffic rules. Um, everyone's car is scraped and bumped and everything else. Occasionally, you'll see some guy crash and a window smashes, and they'll argue with each other until the Taliban come along and say, bugger off, you're in the way. There's no insurance. What are you, what are you arguing about? Like, what do you think you're going to get? Anyway, but everyone drives incredibly recklessly, but as a result, everyone's incredibly focused. And I do genuinely believe those are probably some of the best drivers on planet Earth because we'd, we'd go along and some guy would just pull in front of you with like centimeters of stopping distance for you to figure out to stop. No crashes the whole time. Wow. Every, everyone was really attentive. If you walked out into the middle of a highway, you knew you weren't going to be run over. Because you knew they were looking for you and they're going to stop and allow you to walk across. And we saw like kids doing this. And that's something else. There's also the nicety of like, I got in a taxi once, open the door, it gets rammed against the curb, it scrapes. I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway, taxi driver turns around, like stares at me. And these people don't really usually smile. So I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I start trying to pull the thing and it's not working. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, lift it up, pull it along, scrapes the whole way, big loud noise, <laughs> slam the door cut. Miles is staring at me. I look at the taxi driver. The taxi driver just like goes, oh, finally, Belland. He <laughs> 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 was just waiting for me to close it. Um, you know, small stuff like that, where you realize what's important. Does the car work? Yes, then what's your problem? Get on with it. Like people in the West have these beautiful cars that we all clean and make sure they're scrubbing them and all that. Oh, who cares? Who really cares? <laughs> and you know, appreciating having clean water I can go get and stuff like that. Just you wouldn't think of it unless you rammed some guy's car and he didn't give a crap. Here, last, last quick as we're about hitting now. Or last, I want to ask you just to finish off on going there. It's a Islamic country. And what what was, I mean, did, were you there during a Friday? Were there calls to prayer? Uh, or did you see kind of that religious side? Because you see a lot of the cultural side, which doesn't necessarily connect with a religion or not, although it, it often does connect with Islam. But did you witness 
kind of those gatherings at mosques, times of prayer. Yep. So we, we heard it five times a day. Um, I don't know why I thought this. In my head, I thought everyone would go to mosque or pray at that time. Obviously, you can't. You live in a country, you've got to work. And the Taliban have to be on shift. So yeah. occasionally, just when there's not the call to prayer, they'll just lay down the mats, do the thing, and then get back to work. Uh, also, it was Ashura when we were there. Are you familiar with Ashura? Nope. Okay, so it's a Shia Muslim. Okay. Not holiday, but a, a day of sort of uh, grievance where there was some battle. One of their guys got killed with a bunch of other women. So they're all martyrs. And it's a day we all wear black and remember, eat food and blah, blah, blah. But because it's a sheer thing as well, there was extra bombings leading up to that day. Wow. And then on the day of Ashura, because ISIS is Sunni, so they, they're there to kill the Shia. The Taliban are more tolerant, allow them to live. Yeah. Very tolerant. So on the day of Ashura as well, the they pull up my phone in the morning, cell service is down. I speak to some other guys. Yeah, the, the Taliban just turned off the cell service for the whole country. So you couldn't dial a bomb. Uh, but they, they put up flags for it and whatnot. You'd see people going to mosque. People sincerely took it um, seriously, of course. One of the messed up things is that we drove past an area... And under the old government, a friend pointed out, oh, yeah, that's where um, we killed a th like 11-year-old girl. I'm like, you what? She was accused of burning pages of the Quran. Wow. I, I don't know what the evidence was, but apparently they took her out there and stoned her to death. So there's that. It's, that's the old government as well. That's the one we were propping up that was raping loads of boys and whatnot yeah. as well. It's... That's the tragedy of the whole thing when you think about it. So for what? For, for what were we setting up even there? Anyway. But yeah, the, the religious stuff is serious. It's an Islamic country. Uh, it's also one of the nice things. I know you're very, very familiar with Islam. Um, people like Romlin Tomlinson are. And can I say his name on this platform? My yeah. Oh, Tomlinson. yeah, you can. You can, you can say, oh. yes, he who cannot be named, but you can name him as Tommy. Freedom. He, yes. Freedom. <laughs> you know how like Tommy will get in arguments with Muslims about the Quran yeah. and he knows the Quran in and out and the Hadith. So he'll quote them and you get Muslims yeah. in the West who are like from Turkey or something. Right. i will be like, Oh, that's not real Islam, bro. In fact, when I was on the plane back, I was with a Turkish girl who was like, Oh, the Taliban aren't Muslims. I was like, really? You're a Muslim. She was like, well, I drink alcohol, but I'm a Muslim. <laughs> the th when you, when you spoke to people in Afghanistan about Islam, there was no BS. Yeah. It was just, yeah. yeah it says that in the Quran. Yes, that's the Hadith. Yeah. They, they, they were actually quite thankful that you knew it. Be like, oh, yeah, okay, you know. There was no, oh, well, you know, if you interpret this way. or It was refreshing in a weird way to just be honest and, and not have to deal with people who try and obfuscate what Islam is, which is just annoying. I'm sure you've had it as well. You just say, just, come on, we know what you do with the people who steal. We we know what you do with the the unbelievers who make mischief in the lands. Like yeah, it's in black no, and white. It, it, it is quite simple. It's written there in black and white, and we wish it weren't true, but it is true. And there are many people who follow it by the letter because that's what their religion calls them to do. Um, there's no way around that. So and either you the, get yeah, either you convert them all or get rid of the religion or do something. But as long as the religion remains, then that aggression and violence and hatred will remain. But also, I mean, I. I'm not a fan of bringing Islam to the UK. It's 
Not something I want. Let's get it's that. It's here. Way. It's here. <laughs> yeah. But I did come away from it also. I don't know how you'll feel about this, but the looking at the country and thinking, you know what? Rules for them, let them have it. Like that's how they want to run their country. Pew did a poll when the Americans were in charge. Couldn't get a fairer sample. They asked men and women. 99% of Afghanis at the time said they wanted Sharia. And then when they were asked about the punishments under Sharia for breaking this or that rule, they went with the Islamic one. They knew the answers. They all asked for it. And now they're living under it. And you occasionally see people whining about how, you know, it's it's become an Islamist country. And it's like, well, what do you want? American democracy. You tried that. It failed. So I, I've come away from it thinking that maybe the Muslim world, yeah, okay, I don't really care. You you do your thing. I'll respect you in your lands. You do your thing. I just really wish in our lands we would be respected, but we don't stand up for ourselves. So. I agree. I I agree that they should. Everyone should be able to do their thing. And why should we force democracy? Why should we force trans rights? Why should we force whatever we think is the right way? But the flip side of that is, I also think that you should have the right to choose with your eyes open, knowing what you can choose from. And I think the problem in many Islamic countries is that they do things differently, and they choose what they know, but they've never necessarily been presented with actually there are other options so if you look at it religiously um you pick islam because islam is what because if you pick anything else you're dead so that's that that's a good push or a good reason yeah, yeah. to stick with one thing I, I i understand that and and that one of the things that's really changed you could notice everyone had phones they've yeah. all got smart smartphones mm. as well they've all got access to the internet I don't know what the censorship is like. Weirdly, it seems to be less than ours. There's no copyright laws. Hmm. That's that's magical. But ironically, you know, you, you know, you want to watch a movie for a night, and um, maybe you go to a legal distribution website, and you have to find different versions, and they're not very good quality. You go to Afghanistan. You can go on YouTube, type in any movie name you want. It's there know. in HD, all of them, because YouTube has no obligation to block anything, so they don't. So, you know, I, I just sat there and started watching movies for the night on YouTube. It's great. Anyway. But... Are you are you going to go back anytime soon? <laughs> I don't know. It, I'd have to have a good reason, I think. the You're bored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's other places I want to do as well for boredom. There, there's one big problem it does have, I think, still, and this is probably the best one for why it's rated unsafe i found out after i landed there's no air traffic control yeah 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 so the du- the dude in his little cockpit has to sort yeah. of look out make sure he lands yeah and there, there's been some plane crashes around that airport a few years ago a plane took off even under the americans with the air traffic control took off slammed into a mountain the whole thing's surrounded by mountains so if you don't take off enough you everyone was dead um, I met a lady there who was uh, friends with the team who were cleaning up the bodies to take the whole thing out. Wow. Uh, and we we flew with the better airline. There's two airlines. The one that crashed a couple of years ago, don't take them for sure. But the other one, <laughs> you know, even the better one is rated so unsafe, they're not allowed to fly to Europe. And then, you know, that that's their level of safety as a company. And then you've got 
the additional problems of there's no air traffic control and there are the guys in the country who would love to blow up a plane. You know, if ISIS got their hands on some missiles to blow up aircraft, I'm sure they, they'd go to town. So it, if they could fix that, if they could guarantee that there's ISIS are dead, we've got proper peace now, and they could set up the ability to go and check out more of the tourist sites and, and maybe have a board of tourism, maybe. I don't know. Hit, hit Miles up, Mr. Abdul, who's watching. <laughs> then... But you see, air traffic yeah, isn't yeah, just not? an issue. It's an issue in Africa. I mean, it's an issue of how rich a country is or not, because air travel is an expensive industry, and having a system within your country to provide that safety is expensive. And so it's not just countries in the Middle oh. East, but actually it's black holes in Africa where there actually really isn't that much air traffic control. So it's a lot of space. The planes are small. Therefore, you're generally safe. But look at the draw. I believe it is worthwhile in at least the capital. I was I was told that the there's that well we knew. So you remember the Turkish were there? I mean, pretty much last before everyone yep. else left. Yep. They used to have very good leaks with Turkish Airlines. This is a bit boring, maybe, but I like it. Uh, the Qataris and the UAE were bidding against the Turkish with the new government constantly. Yep. They're all having these meetings, trying to bribe everyone and getting pissed and whatnot. Uh, officially, not that last one, but. <laughs> There, whoever gets the Kabul airport gets all of the airports in Afghanistan, and apparently it, it really is worth the money. So they're they're really going hard after each other. Um, last I heard, the Qataris were going to get it. So that that's how that thing goes down. Which is that they'll move the Taliban away from the airport, so all of the security yeah. will be yeah. private companies hired yeah. by the Qataris. Let's say so you'll have a load of Malaysians or Israelis or not Israelis <laughs> manning the checkpoints and then the whole airstrip and everything else will be Qatari uh, company personnel so that's that's all okay. that will end up going down well watch this space Callum I think we'll draw it to a close unless there's any last burning comments you want to throw in I think we'll finish it off yeah I, I hope that was entertaining I didn't really know how best to answer things interestingly but hopefully that was good absolutely um, it, if, if people want some stuff, uh, message me on Twitter or go to my Subscribestar and message me there and I'll, I'll send stuff. Uh, anyone who subscribes to my Subscribestar gets a free Taliban headband, provided you don't live in Japan or Canada because oh. they're, the only, they're the only two countries where they're, they're still a terrorist group. So you have to give your consent for me to send that. Funny thing, though, there was a guy who was working in counterterrorism. He was doing job interviews in the camp over zoom we were like what wait i thought you had your job set in afghanistan he's like yeah i do thing is they took all those people out of kabul you remember dropped them off in the uae and the idea was you sort them there and send them off all around to america and everywhere else and resell them thing is apparently it's pretty hard to check a random guy who doesn't have a passport in the uae whether or not he's a member of the taliban so uh, apparently, I was told, the Americans have withdrawn all the counterterrorism guys from Canada and so have we, in which case the Canadian counterterrorism guys are sh bricking it because they imported loads of guys from the evacuation and didn't do any checks to see if they were Taliban. Wow. So they're rapidly hiring anyone who's private who's got experience in that. And that's why the guy was doing job interviews. And coincidentally... The only Western nation where the Taliban are still terrorist group is Canada. So if you're Canadian, 
bad news. Um, well, if you're Canadian, bad news for many reasons. <laughs> Not because it got a a communist government. Yeah, but now you've got another one, which is you know maybe maybe just keep safe. But you can't get a Callum headband. That is another bummer <laughs> to add to the evil regime that you live under in Canada. <laughs> I want to well, see you wearing well, it in the next stream, Peter. <laughs> in, uh, interview um, Brian again. And just like, <laughs> Absolutely, I could do. Send him one, maybe. We'd we'll do one together. <laughs> he did wear his Mossad t-shirt the last time we interviewed him before, so <laughs> could be an interesting mix. Um, but I think on that, we will finish up. Thank you to our viewers for watching. And I said, if you're listening to this later on, being around the podcasting platforms, thank you so much for using that. And uh, All the links are in the description. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on Rumble, if you're watching on Getter, I know they're all down there. And on Podbean, all the links will be so you can follow Callum, watch a documentary if you haven't seen it, and go to subscribe star, follow all his links. Everything is there for you to use. So I think uh Callum, just thank you so much for joining us and giving us your experience above and beyond what you did for the documentary, which was 55 minutes, I think. And you've given us more of your time. So thank you for delving deeper. Ah, oh, Dara Manera, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, good night to our viewers. Have a rest, wonderful rest of your Monday. And uh, we will see you on Thursday with, I think we've got Clay Clark on Thursday, Reawaken America Tour. Uh, which is a really interesting phenomenon that's been happening across the States over the last certainly year plus uh, that I've enjoyed watching. He's joining us on a pre-record that should be with you on Thursday. So on that, I wish you a wonderful rest of your evening. I will see you back on Thursday. So thank you and good night. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.